Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Paik. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Apple TV show, Lisey's Story. This week we are talking about the first two episodes of the series, episode one, Bull Hunt, and episode two, Blood Bull. I feel like at this point we should say podcast dedicated to Stephen King. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Done a lot of King. <laughs> we have been doing a lot of King and we off season stuff. We'll do a lot of King um, quite frequently. And I feel like at this point, that's just, we're just basically becoming a Stephen King podcast. Um, <laughs> not quite, but sometimes it feels that way. But yeah. um but I'm I'm super excited to be back. I gotta get myself straight because I feel like I've totally forgotten how to podcast. We haven't been back in a while. <laughs> a little while. You've you've been podcasting. You haven't stopped. You're still no. um, with Daphne <laughs> yeah, on Run for Your Lives. But um, doing all kinds of stuff there. But it's been a little while. Yeah, since Strange Indeed, we had the the Mortal Kombat like mm-hmm. one off kind of you know sort of recently. But that's about it. Yeah, we've been on a little bit of a, well, just a little bit of a break, and also they're just. Hasn't been a whole lot. Like a lot of our shows that we would normally expect have been, you know, so much production got halted. And I thought, you know, there's not a whole lot out right now, or at least a lot that I wasn't aware of. Um, we had some suggestions and not a lot was catching me. But I'll tell you what, I really wish, and I know I, I wrote about this on our Facebook page. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it yet, Paik, so I won't spoil anything. But um, mm-hmm. Mayor of Easttown. That was ah, on mm-mm. HBO. It just finished up like a week or two ago. They yeah. aired the season finale. Oh my gosh. If I had known <laughs> how amazing that show was, like I didn't watch it until um, right before the season finale aired. Um, yeah. And it was, I think, I think eight episodes. Yeah, I think eight. I'm sleep deprived, so I don't think it was 10, but um, it was so freaking good. If I had known that, we would have covered that. Um, I think I would have forced you whether you like it or not. (laughs) But anyway, um, I definitely would have covered that had I known a little bit earlier ahead of time whenever it was um, airing. But other than that, not a lot was catching my eye. But when they announced this project, um, we're always looking for some, you know, you know what they're doing next with Stephen King. And this caught my eye. And I thought this was an interesting project. It was like we talked, I think it was on Mortal Kombat when we talked about doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. This is considered Stephen King's favorite book. That yeah. he wrote. And I mean, think about how many books the man has written, and he considers this um, his favorite. Um, and not just that, but he took the time to write. Like, this is the first time ever in any of his adaptations that he's written the script himself. Mm-hmm. So, interesting, interesting work. He, he loved it enough to... Um, I think I read somewhere that he said, if anybody's going to screw it up, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's one way to go about it. I Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know I'm, how like intimately important this story is to him. Mm-hmm. That's because those who don't know, I think we did talk about it on the Mortal Kombat one. I think Daphne was the one that was really bringing it up and talking about it. But yeah, because he wrote this, the book, Lisey's story. After his own close call with death back in 2006. You were right. And so it's kind of a love story to his wife and like the importance of her in his life and career. Because he said, you know, returning home after his accident and everything. Like his quote is that he felt like a ghost in his own home. Yep. And right. so 
it inspired him to write this story because I think the the character of Scott Landon is kind of a metaphor for him himself. Mm-hmm. And you know what you know his wife means to him but also like kind of imagining what she would go through and stuff if he would have died. And like yeah, so it it was it's very important to him in that regard. And so I I totally appreciate him wanting to put a lot of his own into this and make sure it's done the way he wants it done. I agree. You know, sometimes you just uh, have have those thoughts and feelings. You feel that close to something. Like, I feel like he's been able to kind of depart himself a little bit from some of his projects and go, you know what? The books are mine. The film or if it's a TV show that they're adapting, he's like, that belongs to you. But maybe he feels like that this still like belongs to him too. So maybe yeah. that's, you know, the reasoning behind it. But yeah, um, definitely feels more uh, of a personal kind of thing for him. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, so just as a heads up before we um, jump into, you know, talking about the episodes, as Pake said, uh, we are covering both uh, the first and second episode of uh, Lacey's uh, story. They did release both. Um, if, if you didn't notice when you were watching or in case mm-hmm. you only had time to watch one, uh, we are covering both. And then the show will release weekly, um, you know, at that point. So then we'll just be on a weekly basis. But yeah. we thought, you know, let's go ahead and get those first two out the door. So we're going to talk about both. So if you've only seen the first one, um, go watch that second one. Yeah. And, come and then back come back. And, we're still here. Then come back. <laughs> we'll we'll be here. Here, we'll wait. Okay, we're back. Um, <laughs> you watch it now? Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Here we go. <laughs> we'll get started now. We waited just for you. Um, okay, so I, I'm I'm really excited to start talking about this show. Um, I, I really thought it was interesting, and um, I had a. a I think I had, I liked it, but then I think on my second watch, I liked it even more and had an even mm-hmm. deeper appreciation for it. So I don't know. I'm digging it so far. I, I'm going to admit, and I think I've talked about this before plenty of times when we've covered other Stephen King works, um, that I feel like anytime you hear about a new Stephen King adaptation, movie or TV show, whatever it be, it's met with it for me, a mix of excitement and horror thinking, oh, great, I can't wait to see what they're doing next, mixed in with, oh, God, is it going to be crap? Um, So, you know, going into this, I knew it was a risk, but I think so far I'm I'm fairly pleased with what I see. So I'm curious, Paik, what are your general thoughts before we jump into our top five? Yeah, honestly, um, because I'm not going to, you know, let's not beat around the bush. I'm sure people who are looking into this series have seen and know that like a lot of the early reviews have not been the most splendid. Yeah. But honestly, I to hell with the bad reviews. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Because, yeah, like you said, like watching it myself, because I even went into it kind of worried because I was like, oh, God, people aren't liking this. And so Mm -hmm. I started the first episode kind of through that lens where I was like, okay. Where are all the problems? Why is it boring? Why are people not? And then by the end of the second episode, I was like, nah, um, I am so, so, so into this. I need to know more. Um, Mainly, you know, jump (laughs) not too much into what the show, you know, about right now. It's a little jump ahead. But yeah, I mean, mainly it is. It's kind of where we end that second episode where Amanda's sitting around the water on that steps and there's all these like pairs of people sitting around her and. Lisey's seeing that world through the pool as she's walking off. And I was like, 
I need to see the way that these mysteries play. It was enough to where I was like wanting to start the next episode because I was like, Mm -hmm. I want to see how this plays out. I'm actually really intrigued by what's going on right now. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because I didn't check in with you at all after we (laughs) talked about covering this to say, oh, what did you think? Or, you know, so we didn't touch base at all. So Uh -uh. I was like, oh, I wonder how Pig's feeling about this. So it, it, it really excites me to know that you're on board and, and that you're so far anyway with these yeah. episodes digging it that. Yeah. Based off the first two episodes, I loved it. I'm super excited to see where this story goes. Yay. Well, that makes me happy. <laughs> um, well, because I know that we're, I think both um, thrilled to be talking about it. Let's go ahead and jump into our top five. Cause I know if we, if we keep talking, we're going to start going yeah. into our points. <laughs> so let's not hold off any longer. I think we've had enough, a uh, little pre-show banter and everyone's like, come on, just move it along already. Rima, you're going back into your old ramblings. Um, what is your number five? My number five is, I'm just going to start big with the titular character herself, Lisey. Yeah. Um, and mainly just her, not necessarily, you know, some of the plot points and story stuff, but just her as a person and her mm-hmm. personality. Um, Cause I do enjoy Julianne Moore a lot. And so I was excited to see what she brought to this. And I think she does a great job portraying this character. Um, so yeah, just some of the personality things that, you know, it's cool to see her kind of jump back and forth and kind of relive memories and stuff of her and Scott together and then seeing the person she's become after his death, where she's just very, not cold, but like she's had enough shit from <laughs> the academics and the super fans and stuff. She's like, just leave me alone. Like, yes, yeah. I know. My husband was super famous and a huge author and he's dead now, but like, let me live my own life. Yeah. And she's just kind of over it. But it's not in a way where she's like cold or like heartless to people, but she's just like, let me live my own life. And you see that. With her talking to Dashmiel, I'll never forget his name. Um, thanks to yes, Jim thank implanting you, Jim just the creepiest shit in my head. But uh, but yeah, uh, just the way he she is with her, or excuse me, the way she is with him. Just being like, I've told you, I've talked, you know, so many times. You can keep asking me. The answer is always going to be no. So if you don't get off my property, I'm just going to have to call the police because I'm tired of dealing with you. Yeah. You're so right. Julian Moore, it was great to see some big names and we're going to talk more about some of the other uh, folks, you know, um, the actors uh, and characters in the show. But, you know, I've, I'm also a fan of Julian Moore. I think she really brings this character to life. And, and let me quickly preface this with um, I haven't read the book. So, yeah, I haven't either. So, bad yes, on I, me. so when I say she portrays this character, I'm like, well, based off of what I know. Yeah. Let so me, I, I give it more of like, I appreciate the character she's portraying right now. Right. I understand. Because it can be difficult. I mean, I think it's difficult anytime someone writes a story and there's a character on the page, whether it's a book or just a script that's in like an original script, to take that uh, character and bring it to life. I, I think yeah. that t- that's why actors most actors are fairly talented because they can do that. They can breathe life into these characters. Um, So I just want to say that if, you know, I'm not going to be mentioning anything about the book because I don't know a whole lot about the book. I Mm -hmm. mentioned before, I'm really bad. I'm so far behind on reading and I have not read every Stephen King book this included. Um, So if anyone's read the book and you're yelling at me right now, please (laughs) stop. I love you and I appreciate you, but I'm moving on. Um, So anyway, (laughs) 
I, th- I like I said, I, I've been a fan of Julianne Moore as well for many years. I think she's really talented, and I yeah. do think she brings this beautiful, haunting quality to to Lisi, like the way that she, you know, we're following her, and there's not you know, for some parts, a whole lot of dialogue. We're just kind of yeah. following her around the property. She's swimming in her pool. She's uh, lost in her memories. She's remembering some of these things and some of these um, thoughts. And she, it's almost like she's dead herself that, yeah. you know, she's kind of walking and haunting her own property. Right. Like it's not just yeah. Scott. It's like, almost like it's her too is what it kind of reminds me of. She's just kind of walking around um, aimlessly and you can, I picked up very easily uh, that she's still mourning. Yeah. You know, we find out it's been two years since Scott died, but you, she is still mourning. Now she's gotten to a little bit of a part, like you said, she's finally gotten to a place where she's kind of just fed up with people coming to her and asking for Scott's work and wanting to get a hold of his papers. And clearly this guy must be more persistent than most, but mm-hmm. she's been dealing with that since his death for two years. And it sounds like she's also dealt with enough of his, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say crazy because I don't like using that word. But mm-hmm. um, fans that are on the wild side, I guess, a little, um, <laughs> you know, that feel that they're entitled to, you know, Scott or felt like they knew him because of his work. And I don't know. I think there can be a little truth to that. Do do people feel like they get to know you through your work if you're an artist if you're a writer or a painter or some kind of artist that you know that i don't know that that can be a really personal thing whatever whatever type of artist that you are that you're putting yourself into that work right so yeah i can totally understand that i mean some of my favorite like artists as far as musicians and Mm -hmm. singers songwriters uh yeah i mean like the bands and artists that i am the biggest fans of that i just taken in so much because a lot of the music that I like the most are bands and artists that are very like personal like as far as what they write is right. their personal lives and they get very deep and personal and introspective with their lyrics and thoughts and that's my kind of favorite stuff and so when I get really into it I do it kind of there is that moment where I feel like I kind of know who this person is because they put so much of themselves in the lyrics of this music but at the same time mm-hmm. it's like you know, so I feel like if I ever met them, I could talk to them and be like, oh, because of this and this. And I could kind of understand who they were. Yep. But at the same time, like, that doesn't mean that they owe me any part of their personal life. Like, it's still. Right. Yeah. They can't quite separate themselves, some folks, um, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to that. But, but yeah, I, I just have to agree with you. She actually wasn't specifically one of my points, but, you know, because I totally agree with with what you say, I think she she has such a a, a depth to her that yeah. it really brings it across with this character. You know, she's got the acting chops and mm-hmm. been in so many different types of genres. You know, comedies, dramas. Um, you know, she can bring on the drama and she can bring oh, yeah. on a great performance. And I think I- I'm loving what she's doing so far in these two episodes. So yeah, because you see totally this kind agree. of dichotomy of who she is. When she's all alone, like you said, that I like how you put that, like she's almost a ghost haunting her own property where there is just a lot of silent, like brooding, but like Mm -hmm. you really see that like she's just soaking in like everything is still like she's still mourning. 
And like, she's not holding things together all the time. I mean, her banging her head against the window in the car or like when she's going on a walk and she just needs to scream. And I totally get that. I love that moment. I thought, who can't relate to that with Uh whatever you're going through in life? And, you know, yeah. Yeah. But she does a really great job when she is dealing with other people. She puts that face on. She's like, so again, not cold, but like that stone face where she's like, no, I'm going to deal with things. She doesn't shut down with other people. And some of my favorite things with that are, are, is whenever she's just had enough and she snaps back at somebody. I I love her interaction with Roger Dashmiel when he shows up at her house. Mm-hmm. Because he does not have the right to say the things that he says. Oh, like, yeah. oh, you were just a waitress whenever he found you. And the line oh, that really man. got me is when he says, just because you slept in his bed doesn't give you the right to withhold these papers and stuff. And I was oh. fully backing her up when she just looked at him and said, fuck you. And I was yeah. like, Yeah. There you go. Me too. I was like, damn straight. I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. how dare you say something like that to exactly. a, a grieving widow? You don't know their relationship and what was between them. Yeah. And I mean, they were together you know. before he was anybody. Exactly. So yeah. it's not like she was leeching off of his fame. She stuck around when, honestly, you know, jumping ahead a little bit to maybe a further point. But like, honestly, I don't see a lot of people who would have stuck around through some of the stuff that happened. And uh-huh. yet she did. And this was before anybody knew who he was. Exactly. So yeah, it's not like she married him for the money. You know, she believed in him that he was talented and 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 was capable of this greatness. But you know, it wasn't like I don't think she was counting on it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So for him to say something like that to her, um, I would have said the exact same thing. But she oh, definitely yeah. um, has this strength about her. You mm-hmm. know, and it's it's cool to see. And I think that. Julianne Moore is definitely a good choice for this role because she mm-hmm. she brings this vulnerability, this f- fragility a little bit. Yeah. I, like you said, we see the fragility when she's a, at home alone in her pool, walking around her property or when she's out in the field. Um, but then, like you said, kind of puts on this other face and this other side of her when she has to deal with her sister or both sisters. Yeah. Um, the, you know, she's got Dash Meal after her, you know, constantly about the works and she's got um, a, a fan who's completely obsessed and, and yeah. clearly um, a little unhinged, um, <laughs> you know, and all these other things. So you can see how she's really trying to like, well, I've got to deal with this stuff. And, and she's like, you know, I'm going to deal with it. And she doesn't, you know, break down and cry about it. She just kind of does it. And so I, yeah. I like that quiet strength about her. She's got um, a very, yeah, quiet intensity, quiet strength. I like that. mm -hmm, (laughs) That's where mm -hmm. she is. She's where she's at. I mean, she backs up into his car with like no qualms about it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Boss move, honestly. (laughs) It was. She's like, you know what? Just going to make my point a little bit stronger Mm -hmm. in case you didn't get me the first time. You know, she didn't have to do that. She kind of definitely went out of her way to do that and kind of drive that point home, literally. Um, But yeah, that was great. She's able to stand up, you know, against Jim on the phone, at least. I mean, I think mm-hmm. later on, once he's like visited her house and then she starts to get more worried, but at least just over the phone conversation, because I would have been even with that phone conversation, be like, I'm calling the police and I'm not, I'm leaving here forever. Like yeah. that would have unnerved would have been- me at that point. But she has that strength to just like, you know what, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And that I was, was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> that was admirable. I, I too, I'm not sure how well I would have handled that situation myself. And I thought, I think mm-hmm. I, you know, may have been a little bit more visibly shaken 
you know, at hearing some of the things, you know, that, but maybe, maybe she has had her share of similar, uh, clearly this guy is in a class of his own, but you know, similar type fans that she's had to deal with over the last few years. Um, you know, thinking that they're entitled to being a, a, a part of Scott, even though he's not around anymore. So maybe she is just, you know, kind of writing him off maybe. And maybe at that point she doesn't quite understand his threat yet. I I mean, I think she kind of got it a little bit there, but she still came through and stayed strong and was brave, at least while she was talking to him, maybe after she was on the inside, she's kind of like, Oh shit. You know, this is a little, little different, you know, um, than some of the others she's dealt with, but she definitely brings a, good, a, a great acting quality um, to to it, and I just I, I loved watching her in the pool as she's just reflecting on memories and recalling mm-hmm. things. Um, I think it's great. I love it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm loving her. <laughs> um, so yeah, good choice and way to start off the top uh, the top five. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the cinematography and. It kind of how they're filming the show. I know when uh, the show started, immediately I was captivated. You know, it starts, you've got this uh, tree. It looks like we're in the fall. There's colors. There's like these yellows and oranges and there's leaves on the ground. So immediately I'm like, oh, that is beautiful. And I feel like they carry that out throughout the show um, for both episodes really well. The colors are beautiful. And I feel like in... (laughs) I'm not very articulate when it comes to like, and I'm also like, I love film and I love uh, hearing about how it works, but I'm certainly not a filmmaker and I don't work in film. So as far as like some of the technical side of things, like, Oh, they're doing this and how that's how they're creating that effect. I'm not very intelligent on that. So I'll admit it, but (laughs) I love how like the colors can be like vibrant, but also the tone of the show it's almost like there's like this little filter that kind of mutes it or yeah, kind of leaves this like graying bluish uh, dream. It's like a dreamlike state uh-huh. almost. Do you, you, do you almost feel like as you're watching it, you're almost like in a dream? Oh, totally. Kinda. Because there's moments where I was like, is this real or is this not like, and that's, which plays into the mystery of the show a lot, which I like Yeah, that you can, we can see where things go, but yeah, you never really know. But I like you like you like that, you know, vibrant but dark because even whatever this other world is that. Yes. This they bo- can travel bo- to or moon. she kind of said, yeah, like even that I was like when trying to describe it in my notes, I was like, it's very colorful, but also very dark. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I, I, I don't quite. I feel like it's both. I don't know how it can be yeah. dark, but it's also vibrant. They, they have this beautiful uh it, i feel like mostly what they're using there at, at buya moon when uh we visit them there it's very blue and also orange you've got like the orange uh yeah. like moonlight or I'm guessing it's supposed to be like the moon but um you know so it's it's vibrant and colorful and it stands out but yes also dark mm-hmm. at the same time and i just i love that i love the landscape the use of light you know, when the sun is out, but the, you know, the way that they show that like behind the characters and I think it just, it, it, it's stunning to see. I love, I'm also in love with, you know, just talking about like the set um, and, and where we're at. And I, a lot of this takes place at Scott and uh, Lisey's house and she's in the pool a lot. And let's, 
mm-hmm. you know, at least for these couple of episodes, I am in love with that pool. It is um, nice. <laughs> I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. And I understand that this is a really nice house and stuff, but I love these natural type pools way more than any just, you know, blue bottom chlorine pool. You know, yeah. this, I mean, hey, a pool's a pool and pools are great. Um, but if if I was to build like my dream home, I would have a pool very similar to this where it's got like a little bit of a darker bottom. looks a little bit more natural, kind of like looks like a just a watering hole or something out in the back, but yet still structured. I loved how the plants kind of overgrew on one side. So it looks mm-hmm. like natural, like she's just walking out in the woods and stumbles upon this like, oh, here's a nice little pond I can dip into. You know, I love that look. So I'm just absolutely obsessed with this um, <laughs> this pool. I think the house looks great. You know, it's it's nice, but yet it's kind of like this old farmhouse feel. Yeah. Um, so it's it great. Nice I just scare. I'm loving everything. The the houses, the sets, uh, the pool, the colors. Uh, I think it's all great. So I'm I'm digging it. I want to share some love and appreciation and make sure that I I pointed that out. Hopefully Mm -hmm. that will continue throughout the show, but I just really think it's interesting how they're playing with the color, but yet also it's kind of muted where it feels a little hazy and it's like, is this real? Are we, are we really watching what we're watching? And is this, you know, need to rub my eyes a little bit. Maybe I got some (laughs) sleep in my eyes. I don't know. (laughs) Thought, Thought it was great. So that's, that's my appreciation for that. Cool. Um, what is your number four? Now, uh, my number four, I went with Bool, but mainly the clues mm-hmm. and kind of what I guess the driving story is, at least with Scott and Lacey. And that is that even after he has died, he has left these clues for her behind for her to remember something. Or as she puts it, you know, he keeps pushing me towards my past. And it's still a big mystery exactly what it is that he's trying to get her to understand or see or remember. Cause it's even Amanda yeah. in her state is being like, you know, you need to remember, he wants you to remember. And, you know, she had some kind of, Amanda had some kind of connection with Scott where there is a whole other world and something. And, and so I think these clues are kind of a way for Scott to get Lisey to, understand or go back to that world or at least remember something that had happened with it and yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure but you know amanda actually tells her what the first clue was Mm -hmm. which we see at the opening is it was that silver shovel which the fact that she kept it after she left that dude (laughs) it's like all right um yeah that was interesting wasn't it (laughs) that she kept it (laughs) yeah but yeah, but that was like the first clue. And Amanda even knows kind of what's going on because she tells her, you know, are you following the clues? And that's that was your first clue. You've already found it before you even knew. It's that. And she says the silver shovel you used to save his life, which then I was like, oh, so he didn't die mm-hmm. from being shot. So we're still not sure what's going on. Again, like you said, I haven't read the book either. So I assumed, oh, he died after being shot at that. But then as the episodes went on, I was like. Oh no. So he died in the hospital. But then even then it was like, no, like, so it was like, what, right. How did he die? What happened? It's something else later. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure that out. But as far as the clues and my point, I had to look up bool, the definition. Yes, me itself. Too. <laughs> I was curious. And there was two things that I found. Uh, 
The main one that comes up, of course, is a Boolean data type in mathematics and programming, which is any whenever you're programming things, it's any variable that is either true or false. So it's a Boolean, like the value or whatever of that is, and I'm not a programmer, so I can't explain this very well at all. But it's like when you're programming whatever with computers and doing stuff, like anything that needs to be true or false in the data set that you're working with is Boolean, is a bool. Interesting. And so I was like, well, that's, I'm, I was like, I'm not seeing a connection with programming and technology, mm-hmm. you know, stuff with this. And so I was like, there's got to be something else because there seems to be talking about something else. And the only other thing I could find is um, it's a, dialectal variant in like british english for anything curved like a handle or a hoop like you know a basketball hoop or like handles of scissors or like baskets and stuff like that is a bool is like this curved well and i don't know so we'll have to see (laughs) what this is i was actually able to find i i did a little digging too because i'm like i feel i should know but i'm not quite picking up on it yet um and it was before my second watch. I feel like once I understood and then I watched my second watch and I'm like, oh, well, okay. Um, bull hunt that I could find um, says it's similar to a scavenger hunt. Okay. And we hear, Amanda, I don't know about you, but I, I really had to crank up the volume on this yeah. show. And especially like when Amanda is talking, I eventually on my second watch turned on my closed captioning because I thought I'm, I know I am missing dialogue and I feel like the dialogue, yeah, in this, <laughs> it, it helped, it helped me. And she actually does. When you mentioned that she told Lisi, you know, well, you've already found your first clue. You found it before you knew it. And then she told her what it was. Um, she said he's, you know, he, she mentioned bull hunt. She goes, it's like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, oh, well, I missed that my first because I could barely hear what she was saying. But yeah. I really had to focus the second time around how my closed captioning on, um, which I, I do often when I'm taking notes because I feel like this way I can pick up the dialogue. And I feel like dialogue is very important in this show. I mean, it's important in a lot of shows, but it's very important in this mm-hmm. show because I feel like everything that you hear is important because there's not very much of it. Like there's a lot. In the show, where there's not a whole lot of dialogue, yeah. So I feel like what they're saying is important. Um, so yeah, cl- closed captioning. I would recommend anyone who might have um, had has some issues um, hearing. You'll probably pick up on some things if you try that. But that's what I saw: um, treasure hunt or scavenger hunt. Interesting. So yeah, I'm, I'm in- intrigued by like how that mm-hmm. lines up with you know what I found the word to mean. It could be just a completely different thing that that Scott Landon had come up with, with it as you well. You never know. Yeah. You never know. But uh, the clues themselves I thought were interesting. I was like, man, there's some major links that he went through for some of this stuff. Cause yeah. what we've seen so far, again, the first clue being the shovel and then having a clue on a luggage tag that said something about, you know, Mr. MD, which was a song that was sung at their wedding. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so she starts kind of singing it and it, it leads her to, you know, look in Amanda's address book, which is interesting that he had left it in her address book, kind of knowing that she was going to have another one of these episodes and, and then, then that Lisi would, would be, be there. there. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Which leads her to find Dr. Hugh Aberness, who is a big fan of him, but not um, 
too crazy of a van, not too, right. you know, out he's there. On, he's on the, on the he's, right side. <laughs> yeah, but it, he had worked with him to already set everything up to where if this happened to Amanda again, that she would be taken care of. It was already paid, already set, and all he needed, he was waiting for a call from Lisey, which was interesting. Yeah. And then how she got the jump to like the third clue being the picture of them after he had sold his book. I don't really know. I still didn't piece together how other than it was just by chance that she was just like reminiscing, looking at it. But then on the back of that, then was the picture that says the doctor's favorite circled and stuff, which was a clue leading her to call Dr. Avernus again and say, which, which one of my husband's books was your favorite? And then going, was it Battle Flags? Mm-hmm. Battle Flags. And then, yeah. and then goes like, well, did he leave? And he left a message for Lisey, to, like no, like in a sticky note kind of thing in the doctor's copy of his favorite book. It's such so a major length to take for these clues. I was like, okay, it's kind of a little much, but I'll, I'll, I'll take this ride. I'll see where it goes. And that fourth clue, of course, is Cedar Box Bull, uh, you know fourth clue so i was like okay um and then she asks you know the cedar box i guess amanda is in possession of it so it would be back at her house really interesting (laughs) yeah and you know i'm sitting here trying to recall i don't have it in my notes unfortunately but i feel like i almost need to do that now as we continue because i feel like there's more clues to go right more clues Mm -hmm. and uh more things to come in in these episodes Uh, so i need to start writing it down but i i I remember watching at the time, like, oh, that makes sense. There was something that he would keep pushing for her to remember those things. And that's what led her to find the next clue. So yeah. I don't, rem- I'm trying to remember and it's there like somewhere here in my memory bank and I'm having trouble recalling it. Um, but there was something mm-hmm. that he had pushed her to, cause he, cause she's that's like, why right. are you yeah, pushing cause... me, Scott? Why are you pushing me, Scott? And she, she mentioned like, he's making me remember all of these things, yeah. you know, and I don't know why. And so he, w- whatever clues that he's giving her are then generating um, these memories and making her look back. Like you said, looking back at their wedding where that song was played, which led then to the next clue and then the next. And yeah, then because there was like a weird dreamlike walk where like this was after he was dead, but she's mm-hmm. walking and talking with him. And I want to see how that connects as far as, because that, I think that is where she got that third clue to look at that photo was because he was talking about, remember that night when my book sold and what happened and you asked if I was crazy and all this. That was it. And that's what made her to go back to look at it. Yeah. So then she started remembering that when that happened you know, when his book sold, when he got his advance, when yeah. he got his check, when he, which I don't want to talk too much, but like when he hurt himself. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that then, and then somebody had taken their picture with that check later and that brought her to that picture. Yeah. So it's the supernatural aspect of how she's communicating with him to get him to push her towards finding the next clue. Yeah, I'm I'm finding That's it very intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I'm finding it very intriguing. It is fun, you know, to be on this little scavenger hunt, you know, kind of in the back seat here uh, of of watching this show and and yeah. it's fun. I I'll admit my first watch, especially that first episode before I'd watched the second, 
um, I was a little confused. I thought, oh, there's there's some time hopping here, and they don't always make it super clear. Yeah, when the only way is her hair memory. length is how I really follow it. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> that helps. Like we at least know that present day uh, Lisi has really short hair, and so that mm-hmm. helps. And it seems like her memories when Scott was alive and before he died, she had long hair. So that that I started to pick up on that, but at first I was like, oh man. Um, I'm not sure where we are, like, you know, how far in the real or, or early in the relationship that we are. We usually learn that, but it, I, I could see where it's a little hard to follow maybe for some folks, but if you, if you really focus, um, yeah, then I think it, it becomes a little bit more clear. And definitely if you watch it a second time, which I know a lot of people don't like to do always, but that helped. It helps. <laughs> it helps. It helps me. It, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like things made a lot more sense to me. I mean, I still I don't know everything. Clearly, this shows a mystery, but I felt like I was following along. Yeah. And I'm no, like, okay. He keeps repeating to her, follow the clues, win your prize. Yeah, Even when he was alive, like, he's telling her that. So and it's like, yeah, what prize? I don't know. <laughs> what prize is at the end of this? little scavenger hunt that he's planned up for her and it's Mm -hmm. so far pretty darn elaborate yeah how far back did he go i mean if he went back so far as to contact that doctor about amanda after that last incident that she had you know that and he helped her through the last time you know how long has that been going on and um or you know how long was he planning that out so yeah so intriguing i'm I'm yeah. really interested to see what happens. A lot of mysteries still to <laughs> unfold. <so. laughs> yes, a lot. Um, okay, so my number four, uh, we've talked um, already about um, uh, Juliet, um, Juliet's performance, but um, or Julianne, sorry. Poof, don't know where that came from. <laughs> Julianne Moore. I want to also mention, I mean, there, there's some really, uh, Clive Owen I think is really great. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure to see him again. I haven't seen him in anything in a little while. It has been a while. Um, I, I I think he was working on another show, but uh, I haven't seen it. I, I think I heard a whisper about it in an article somewhere on something else he was working in. Um, but I haven't seen him. I thought he was really doing well in some movies, and then he kind of dropped off a little bit. But it was great to see him again. I think he's doing a great job as Scott. Again, I don't have a reference in the book for who I think like in my head. Uh, should be played um, or who should play the character of Scott Landon. But uh, I think he's doing a great job. And I think the chemistry between him and Julianne Moore are great. They were in a movie together. um, What was it? Children of men um, Mm -hmm. several years ago. And that was a great movie. If y'all haven't seen that. Oh yeah. Um, But they have a really great chemistry and I, I'm really picking up on this you know, relationship between them and this loving married couple and this, and the dynamics of the relationship, their ups and their downs, right? Their, their hard times and their good times and, you know, everything in between. So I'm, I'm really buying that and I'm digging it. Um, it was a pleasure. I'm thrilled to see Jennifer Jason Lee. Yes. Again, um, <laughs> in another Stephen King, um, adaptation, you know, she was also in Dolores Claiborne, which, was I thought a great um, adaptation. That's one of them on that list. You know, when you when you talk about the good ones, Dolores Claiborne is on that list for me. Anyway, um, so it's really great to see her 
in another Stephen King adaptation. And it's it's funny because she's got this hands in her pocket, her mouth's tight, her eyes are brooding, and she's just like completely completely disgusted with everything, you know, mm-hmm. that she's having to endure, you know, but obligated because she, out of love because it's her family, right? So she's like yeah. totally pissed off to be there and she's going to let you know it, but damn it, she loves you, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and so it's really great to see her. And I think um, so far, just even in these two episodes, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm like, oh, it's been too long since I've seen her on the screen and I think she's great. Um, Joan Allen, I think, is really great as their other sister, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's a great actress as well. So I think she's so far putting in a really interesting performance uh, as Amanda. I'm curious to kind of see a little bit more about her. And, you know, I feel like we're not getting a whole lot. At least these first two episodes didn't focus too much on what's happening in the now. We're spending so much time kind of going back and revisiting memories Um, And seeing Mm -hmm. what's happened in the past that I feel like that's kind of going to color and fill out the the now and the present a little bit that maybe we don't need to see too much of that. But I'm kind of interested to see what's happened to her and her history with these mental health issues. And, um, you know, you almost needed a a trigger warning or some people might have needed a trigger warning for the show. Um, And maybe we'll throw out a trigger warning since we're going to you know, probably talk about it. We already kind of mentioned it briefly is, you know, there's cutting um, in, mm-hmm. in this episode, there's um, scenes of self harm and cutting. So, yeah. um, you know, that was that, that kind of, that got me and it wasn't the gore or ma- they did really, I think do a good job of making it look pretty real. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit shocking, but it was a little bit of a, um, it took me aback a little bit. You know, I, I was a cutter as a kid, teenager. And so, you know, I've, I've dealt with it and, and I haven't done it since, but it was a little bit of a, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're going there. So a little, it can be a little hard for, for some folks. And it was a little, it can be a little bloody if you have a problem with blood, mm-hmm. but, um, so yeah, I'm interested to kind of see that story with Amanda and what her history is and kind of where we got, because we saw her at, at their wedding and I'm like, why is she so yeah. mad? Why is she so mad at that wedding? And she seems okay there. Right. I mean, she, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if we're aware of any problems that she has yet at that point. Yeah. Or she mentions later. though, because when she's talking to Lisi at the wedding, she does say something about, you know, that her and Scott had talked, Amanda and Scott had talked and, so she knew about Scott that like he also would self harm in certain situations and that there was um, because he she's talking to so we even see right. then in that conversation that that this is a known thing within the family, whatever, that Amanda does struggle with with, with mental self-harm. health and self harm. Okay. You're right. You are right. Thank you for making yeah. me remember that. There's so much to this show. Oh, <laughs> there's just not enough pages for notes. Thank you. Yes. Um, she did mention that. So, but it looks like there was something that has really driven her because now she's nearly catatonic. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because I, at first I chalked it up to like mental, you know, severe mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, you know, Lisi and Darla will say, you know, our suicidal sister and, and things like this, but I think it goes deeper than that, but also 
it might be more of a supernatural thing because it's this, mm. I think there is a tie to whatever, again, mentioning this <laughs> vibrantly dark world <laughs> yeah. that, because that's kind of where she is. She's kind of in this like middle ground because we see, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, when Scott would go there, he would be completely gone, vanished from the like mortal realm that we're on here. Yes, just disappear. You just disappear. But Amanda is still here. Mm-hmm. She's like on this like edge where she's teetering, like where she's halfway there, halfway here, to where she can't fully function in either world. Mm-hmm. Good call. Yeah. It's like when she tells her sister, I'm a double, that's why you can see me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Scott would disappear. So we've got a lot going on in this story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, and I don't have it figured out. It's a mystery. Not I, at I all. don't know what the hell is going yeah. on. And I don't have the book to fall back on. Like, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. But, yeah. um, but that's why I'm liking the show right now is because there's so many things that we have no clue what's going on, but I'm intrigued and I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think at least in these first two episodes, the show has done its job of hooking me into wanting to know more. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited, and uh, it's nice that we can't be tempted to watch ahead because we can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think some just really great strong performances. Like I said, Julianne Moore's fantastic. I think Clive Owen's great. Joan Allen's fantastic. Great, great, great to see Jennifer Jason Lee. I think she's fantastic. I mean, I was obsessed with her from Dolores Claiborne, Single White Female, some of my favorites. Um, even going back to uh, The Hitcher. Back in the day. Did you ever mm-hmm. watch the original Hitcher with Rutger Hauer, C. Thomas Howell, and Jennifer Jason Lee? Oh my gosh, Pake. Please Me do too. that. They they redid it some years ago. Not as good. Not not mm. great. Watch the original. Watch the original. The 80s, <laughs> um, with Rutger Hauer, C. Thomas Howell, and Jennifer Jason Lee. Really great. She she had a smaller she wasn't like a super lead. Um, she yeah. was more of supporting and you know, wasn't there for long, but she was great. Anyway, side note. Mm-hmm. Um great to see her again um what's your number three my number three actually goes right in with that my number three was amanda awesome and so i've talked about a lot of the notes um of course i think one thing i didn't mention that i thought was interesting is we see in both times in the present when darla shows up Mm -hmm. and then in the past when scott showed up both times when somebody else arrived she was sitting at that table with cards laid out in front of her I don't know what that means, but I feel like it has to mean something. <laughs> Possibly, I didn't even put that to. I, I didn't put that together. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I might have to go back <laughs> and watch again before that third episode comes out this week, uh, just uh-huh. to uh, catch that and and get that flow. Um, yeah, because when when Darla shows up, it was after her her cutting was interrupted by the smoke alarm going off because her mac and cheese was burning. And so she like got up to go check that out. But then when Darla showed up, there's smoke billowing out the windows and stuff. But Amanda's just sitting there at the like dining table with these playing cards set out in front of her, like playing solitaire, but she's not really doing anything. They're just laid out in front of her. And then we get the flashback of Scott showing up to help out. And it's that same thing where the cards are just laid out for her because he picks up a card and places it in her hand, but she's not doing anything, but they're there. Interesting. We'll have to... Just jot that down in case yeah, it, so it does like, come back. Follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of little things that, we, again, we don't get any answers, but enough like questions that I'm intrigued by. Like when she's in that state, like she's staring. It's not like she's just zoned out. It looks like she's 
specifically trying to focus on something. Like she's looking at somebody Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Very interesting things happening with Amanda and seeing how she's crossing over into this same space that, that Scott went to. Yeah. Uh, Which we don't have a name for. What? Really? Well, you said what was a booyah moon, but I think they say Uh it kind of fast, like booyah moon. Mm -hmm. Um, That his 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 dad when he's a child in one of like Scott's little flashbacks says it, and that's right. Says it kind of fast, like said closed captioning helped me (laughs) tremendously. Yeah, because I remember like him saying something, but yeah, especially that like flashback with Scott's dad was so quiet that I didn't. I missed a lot of things he said. (sighs) Probably should have done the closed captioning. I know when I watched those first two episodes the first time, I was like, uh, I'm not sure what the hell was just said. I, yeah. I I feel like I've seen, like visually, I'm intrigued. Visually, this is beautiful. I don't know half of what was or just was said. was it his brother? Um, I, I'm almost positive that in the chair, uh, watch in front of the TV was his yeah. father. Okay, yeah, I'm that's what I thought. Sure. But then he said something about, you know, my brother. I think that's who was sitting with him at the table. Maybe. Yeah. So they're talking about the blood bull and stuff, which I'm jumping ahead again. But, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And he says something, you know, my brother, Paul, or whatever. He's like, where is he? Oh, he's dead. So it was so much we don't know or understand. Uh, Again, got to find out what's going on with Scott and his past and what happened to him and getting a little glimpse of that. Um, I don't know. So much. And I want to. I want to find out. Um, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, but but man number three, yeah, it was Amanda, which we covered a lot of. So good. Yeah. Well, and more to come too. Uh-huh. We still have a lot more to uh, uncover. Um, well, my number three, I, I just like the story. The story is really captivating. I mean, we've talked about it, but what I find really interesting about this story, it's a very different kind of Stephen King story. You know, it's not such an obvious scare. You know, there's not like a evil clown, a killer car, mm-hmm. or a killer dog, or you know, um, yeah. There's a, a, a love story here. You know, such a combo of all of these different ingredients. There's a story of love, loss. It's a f- story about a family um, obsession. There's fantasy, but there's also s- things that are very real and it's very grim yeah, manner vibes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like almost like the gothic romance a little yeah. bit there right um had a lot of that in Bly manner um but it's also i think beautifully romantic seeing that relationship between scott and lisi they clearly were very close i think obviously we're going to see more of that relationship i'm sure we're going to see more uh, of the background, if 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 what we've seen so far, and it seems like what Scott's doing is is pushing her to remember things, maybe not just their relationship, but maybe her relationship with her family too, um, and from her past, because um, she does mention that she's like he's making me remember these things, things from my past, things from you know when we were together. So, um, but I, I I love this combo. I feel like there's a lot there going on, but. I'm really intrigued by it. I don't feel like it's too hard to follow yet. I mean, obviously there's not, we don't know, but like I, mm-hmm. I'm seeing all of these things and I, and I love it. I love that there's a little bit of a different story here from Stephen King. This is something yeah. 
different than than what we would normally see. Like, I don't know that everybody would immediately pick up on if you didn't know that this was a Stephen King um, type story. But, you know, like you mentioned, we've got like some of this supernatural element to it. Uh, you know, yeah. we've got this this booyah moon that's kind of mythical, kind of fantasy, but seems almost real because, like you said, he disappeared. We mm-hmm. we saw it twice, you know, in the hospital after he got shot, and then again after he um, had cut himself. Uh, he, you know, there's uh, clearly something with the water running. Because we see Amanda yeah. doing it. She was, did you see her pouring yeah, out she her had, water bottle? Yeah, the water bottle. But even, again, maybe I'm going back to Amanda again, that notice like there's something wrong that's keeping her from like going completely over. Because mm-hmm. we see, you know, when Lisey finds her sitting in the tub, the water's running over in the sink. She's trying to do the same thing, but she's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. At least not fully. Yeah. So a lot of super cool elements and things you wouldn't quite expect from a Stephen King story, but you had a couple of things sprinkled in that. Yep. This is a Stephen King mm-hmm. kind of a thriller mystery, supernatural things going on. Um, so I'm, I'm really loving it. So we've got these, you know, we've got Scott Landon, we've got his wife, Lisey. I've seen a couple people say Lisa a few times and they'll say Lisa and then go, Lisey, and I think her yeah. name's Lisette. Her real name is Lisette, and they just call her uh, Lisey for short. Yeah, because I know, you know, in that picture in flashbacks, whenever he sold the book, and they were, you know, it showed her at work, and her her name tag says Lisa. Oh yes, there you go. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's you know kind of interesting, but we're we're Lisey's kind of a nickname. Yeah, right. Um, so we've got them, and then we've got we've been introduced to that professor uh, Dashmiel again. I won't ever forget how to pronounce his right. name. Um, and we've got this psychopath who his name is Jim Dooley, but mm-hmm. calls himself Jim Dandy. And, you know, a, a, as we've mentioned, Dash Mill, you know, is coming in to Lisi and pretty much demanding to see Scott's papers, wants to see his unpublished works, thinking that it's it's the world's right to have uh, insight to, you know, his notes, short stories, thinking there might even be a potential novel in there somewhere. They mm-hmm. may not be wrong. The pile of boxes in his office. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't know what's in all those boxes, but if those are all like stories and ideas or things that he had written down, who knows? But um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then we've got the psychopath, and it and I like this question. Uh, we we mentioned it when we were talking early on when we started about like who has ownership over a writer's work. Um, you know, who owns the mm-hmm. art? So it's like they feel they've got entitlement to it that it belongs to the world they were talking about. These things should be in libraries or museums. This dude. We haven't even mentioned this yet. I mean, Scott apparently was very uber talented. He just needed that break, right? To get somebody to mm-hmm. get his break, get his work out there and get noticed. He won a freaking Pulitzer. 
Uh-huh. So, I mean, this dude had some writing chops um, and, and had some recognition. So he clearly had done very well for himself. And, and I would be interested to, they talk a lot about his books and how brilliant he was. But I'm like, what the hell did he write? Don't you want to like read one of his books or something now? Right. Because <laughs> I'm like, what did this dude write? Yeah, um, it, it seems like because we see some of the, uh, like the titles or even like, you know, opening, like we're seeing like posters for like movies and stuff that had been adapted from Scott Landon mm-hmm. novels and things. And it looked like, like, again, I think it's Stephen King really <laughs> personifying himself because yeah. he looks like a like horror thriller writer. Yeah, it does look like it leans into that type of genre. looks mm-hmm. kind of dark, a little twisty, probably something we would read had he not been like a fictional character, right. fictional writer. Like <laughs> I'd be interested in reading some of his stuff. So um so yeah, I'm like, well, I want to read what he what he wrote. This seems pretty intriguing. This, you know, uh-huh. these people are like, you know, well, hell, the guy that shot him was like, you know, you stole my mind. Yeah. This Jim Dooley guy is, you know, basically worshiping at the altar of Scott Landon. Um, so I, I want to read his stuff. So yeah, I'm intrigued. <laughs> but um, I, I I'm loving the story so far of what we're getting. I think it's it's interesting. Um, I think, you know. there's a lot going on, but I think there's a lot of fun here that I'm ready to dive into and explore more for sure. So what is your number two? Number two, we were heading that direction a little bit anyway, um, is the character of Jim Dooley. (laughs) Uh, man, um, (laughs) on a light side first to start my first note on him, this says he refers to Lisi as Yoko Landon. Oh, man. While talking to Roger, but then goes back and even says it to her herself. And she is thoroughly, you know, insulted by this, which makes sense. But I had to say, I was like, I appreciate that reference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do like where <laughs> they go with that. Although, again, when we see who she is and like, you know, the relationship she had with Scott, that's far from the truth. Right. But still, exactly. like, <laughs> but that's his kind of like name for her. But yeah, he's just a super fan that takes that way to the extreme way past the extreme yeah and and dash Mill had t- found him in like a scott landon super fan like forum or facebook group or something mm-hmm. and had talked to him and he said oh i can i can convince her i can persuade her to give it up <sighs> Which yeah, I got to put so much fault on Dashmail. It's like yeah, come on, this man. is on you. How could you not have told, like, figured out that this guy was a little off the radar within the first ten seconds of talking to him? I mean, like, listen mm. to me or for me, <laughs> this creep factor was at an 11 yeah absolutely they're in the bar and i feel like anyone who tells you that they don't eat pork because it's too much like human flesh should have been like oh well we're done here now thanks for for talking to me thanks for coming (laughs) man yeah and i love again with lisi that her character going back to my like first point was like her just saying what it is I love when she's on the phone with Dash Meal being like, call this guy off, tell him to stop. And he goes, well, I told him no violence. And her response goes, the fact that you had to specify that didn't count. Yeah. You like didn't tip yeah. you off. Uh- <laughs> I mean, he know it feels like he essentially knows nothing about this Jim, Jim uh, Dooley character 
And he's like, hey, why don't you help me convince Mrs. Landon to turn over these books? I mean, he doesn't know this dude from Adam. Right. You know, and and clearly, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a super fan uh, that he's recognized, but you don't know anything about this guy. And like I said, from that meeting at the bar, he should have been like, okay, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and realized that that was not a good call. So he definitely, this dude has a ton of ownership on what he's For unleashed, sure. you know? Yeah. But man, that character, I mean, just <laughs> in my notes, I say just fucking creepy as fuck. Uh, dead eyes, man. Dead yeah. eyes. I mean, that poor librarian was scared to death. Um, mm-hmm. With his going on about dash meals like you dash for a meal like he just goes on these weird tangents but then he just keeps repeating the same thing like don't you think you need to put this and then he has these moments he's like throws all the books off of the the shelves and puts it there like you're you're gonna do that right and she's just trying to be like as agreeable as she can to get him to go away yes totally agreeing with him on every point you're uh, right we're gonna do this (laughs) we should do this because you're so right please get out you know (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, he takes super fan past like obsession <laughs> levels to too far of a degree. I mean, like you said, just a psychopath, mm-hmm. especially when he calls Lacey. And I said, don't underestimate that kind of like psycho. <laughs> it's I mean, the guy has cardboard cutouts, plural cutouts yes. of Scott Landon in his apartment. That he takes selfies <laughs> with. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Man, he's just and whacked out. That <laughs> thing he was doing in his, I don't know if it's his apartment or what, he, I'm guessing it's his apartment so he has things hanging up on the wall. But um, And he's like having that little, like he's dancing around and screaming and yeah. thrashing about. I'm like, whoa. Uh, like I said, I get it. Like when Lisey's walking out in the field, she's kind of like screaming at the world or whatever. That I get that Mm -hmm. scene with Jim Dooley and and just when you add it up and look at everything else, I'm just like, okay, what, you know, this guy just, he goes back to the original apartment that Lisey and Scott lived in together Mm -hmm. and is harassing the guy who lives there now. Like you don't read Scott Landon books, but he used to live here. How dare you desecrate this temple of creativity? (laughs) Like it's just, it's too much. He, he cuts pizza in a creepy way. I don't know. Uh-huh. Man, but Dane DeHaan is incredible. I have to give him that. He makes me feel uncomfortable. I mean, the second, if he's on screen, my skin is literally crawling. Like I have like yeah. shivers. It's like, uh. He's, and he's probably the nicest guy on earth and has a <laughs> smile that would just knock you out. But he... <laughs> And for this character, you're right. He gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and I've seen him in a handful of things, and I really do enjoy him. Like uh, Chronicle was a really interesting movie. He plays a pretty dark character there too. Interesting. But then, but Lawless, he plays a pretty like good, likable character in oh, Lawless, which is one of my favorite movies. Him. I he was a uh, Lawless. What was his? Uh, ah, man. Um. He was like the kind of simpleton oh, friend. That's right. I just yeah just came to me when you started to say that. Yes. Petey or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. So. <laughs> Man, what a turn. Yeah. yeah, for real. So I've seen. I've really enjoyed everything you know that I've seen him in. But 
he can channel some darkness. And I think he does it very well in this series to where it, like I said, literally does make me uncomfortable when he's on screen. It's very uncomfortable. And he's just got like, I mean, he does get to like, um, this manic phase when he sweeps those books off the top of that shelf library, but he speaks in this monotone, like when he mm-hmm. is on the phone with Lisey and he threatens her, you can't hardly hear him. And, you know, he's threatening her. And when he says, um, you know, that I'll hurt you in places you didn't allow the boys to touch you at junior high dances, which Ugh. is such a King line, by the way. Even yeah. If, oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you didn't know that this was Stephen King, you would know by that line it was Stephen King. Um, Mm -hmm. But when he's threatening her and then she is like, can you hear me? And he's like, your voice is kind of low pitch, but I can hear you. And and it's just like, so just, I'm like, Oh, this dude, I just don't know where he's at. He's, he's, he's so quietly threatening. Um, There's like a compulsive thing to him. uh Cause you even see after that, phone conversation where she tells him go fuck yourself and hangs up on him and he sits there and just hangs the phone up over and Slams over in the it. same way yes over and over like like a little bit of a, an OCD thing maybe yeah. or a, a, an obsessive I mean clearly he's obsessive. Uh, clearly obsessive clearly yeah obsessive. Um, but yeah and then telling you know and then he even tells her you have no right to Scott Landon mm. like I don't know that he feels so entitled to him but I think he feels the world should like everything that that Scott Landon had, whatever it was that he has in his office, whatever unpublished works, things he was working on, ideas that he had, or just you know um, outlooks or bleh, going crazy for a second drafts um, <laughs> that he might have of, of you know things he was working on or whatever um, that that should just be open to the world and that the world uh, has the right to Scott Landon and she's yeah. you know preventing that from happening and. You know, and she has her reasons. I don't know that we know yet um, why she's chosen to keep that close. I mean, we know she's still mourning him. And maybe she's, you know, we can see her going through things. You know, she's going through his desk. And I know a lot of it she's hunting for clues. But it does seem like before she even finds that first clue that she's going through and just kind kind of settling his estate. I mean, two years is not really that long. No, not really. And um, I mean, it's the things that are that are his. That's right. You know, the unpublished works are like his thoughts and his words that haven't been given to other people. Those are just hers right now, mm-hmm. and it's something that she can hold dear of him. Right. That's a good point. Maybe that's why she's decided not to. You know, and I, I don't know if she's expressed that yet, and I missed it, or if maybe that's something she'll say later on. Like I've, you know, I don't. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to let that go yet. Maybe I'll get to that yeah. place, but I'm not ready, or I don't want to, or I never will for whatever reason. And she doesn't really owe anyone any kind of explanation because right. You know, he might be gone, but, you know, it was his property. It was his stuff, which she's entitled to as his widow. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like she can do whatever the heck she wants with it. I think we've seen things like that in real life where, yeah. you know, writers or musicians or wh- whomever have passed, but they have like a book they were working on or drafts and things like that. And, you know, some families decide to put it out there. They're like, you know, Hey, we want to share this. This is what they would have wanted. Um, and others are like, Nope. Yeah. I mean, think about Prince. Oh my gosh. His family and his estate had that stuff. I mean, they just now released a lot of the, that music that was sitting unpublished and untouched, you know, this year and last year. Yeah. 
Like it, it took them a while to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So much work. That mm-hmm. man had like so much work. Yeah. <laughs> that he was working on and, and things. It was, I, I remember hearing about it um, soon after he had passed and when they were, you know, kind of going through his vault. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The man, such a musical genius and a damn loss. I think we just passed that five year anniversary um, of his death, R.I.P. Prince. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Jim Dooley because uh, he was he was also my number two. So yeah, um, just yeah, it was the scene where he's at her house was disturbing. I mean, he microwaves a fucking crow God. like yeah. just and leaves these notes and stuff. But then what really had me on edge is when Lisey comes home and you didn't know whether he was still there or not. Uh-huh. I mean, I have not felt that kind of tension watching a show in a long time. Yeah. They did a good job with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, um, and I'm thinking like, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere near that house until I knew he was locked up far, far away. And I don't understand why she wants to stay. I just, other than to like protect those papers, like it means enough right. to her. But then even I've, I put myself in her sister's shoes. I was thinking, of, I'm, I'm Darla. I don't let my sister stay in that house. I It, it becomes a big knockout drag out fight until she finally leaves. I'm not giving in. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean... I'm almost like, you know, I, on one hand, applaud her bravery for not being, like, bullied by Dash Mill and now Jim Dooley um, Mm -hmm. and letting them push her out of her home. But at the same time, I'm like, are you freaking crazy? You know, do you even have an an inkling of an idea of uh, this person? I mean, that that I think she's starting to get... You know, in the micro or realization. Yeah. I mean, that there's, there's more to this guy than just threatening you over the phone now. And it does, it's enough to where she definitely goes to the police at this point and gets them involved. But even then she's very kind of blase about it. You know, it's very, you know, she's like, you know, oh, doesn't, that seems like a lot of extra work to have somebody stationed watching my house every night. And, you know, are you sure you have to do that? And, like her conversations with the police are very just calm and normal. I do like the line. Yeah. Cause they're like, you know, we talked to the professor and he said that he can't get a hold of Dooley anymore and his phone's off and his emails bouncing back. Mm-hmm. And all she has to say about that is, well, my husband would have called that an ominous plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> a little too on the nose a little bit when right? she says that, but yeah, um, she is right. She is yeah. right. Yeah. And like she but says, seem like, like he doesn't want to be called her. off. Yeah, I mean, it, it does bother her. You see when she finds the crow and, I mean, she calls 911 after that for sure, but it's, she hand- but I feel like she should be more freaked out than she is. I know. Like, she handled that, I guess I should say well, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, when someone breaks into your home, that is such a freaking invasion, you know, invasion of your personal space. You know, I've heard stories of people who've, you know, they're like, they just cannot go back in their house after mm-hmm. someone has been in there. I can't imagine. I haven't personally had that happen to me, but I can just like me just imagining it happening terrifies me. I'm like, I couldn't imagine having a stranger up in here, you know, and who knows what else he did. We only saw what he did. We, we saw him mm-hmm. microwave a freaking bird, like you freaking psychopath. 
you know, he, mm-hmm. he justifies it like, you know, oh, I love animals, but everything has to, or everything gets hurt eventually. I guess it was the bird's turn. Like, dude, right. freaking psychopath. Um, and then he just casually opens the refrigerator door and starts drinking a Coke. Right. Um, like he owns the place and he's just going to help himself to everything. I mean, that creeps me out. Who knows what else he did while he was there before she got home and he was no longer there. I mean, it just ekes me out to think this might be poking around. So, I mean, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm a, like saying, yes, good job for you for standing up for yourself and you're not going to be bullied out of your home. But at the same time, are you freaking crazy? You know, right. why aren't you getting, why aren't you like, begging for the cops help but yes please have someone come stay here at the house or have someone stationed here with me at all times or you know asking sounds like the only family she's got left are her two sisters um you know have staying having a sister stay with her or something Uh, oh i can't imagine i can't imagine right so yeah the dude a1 creepy Mm mm-hmm um, so th- I mean, that was also my number two. So, uh, what, what is your number one? My number one is Scott Landon Yay. and <laughs> not necessarily, I mean, you know, who he was, we kind of get, we've talked about on the surface who he was, but the, uh, very unique secret to his past and the deeper level of exactly what's going on with him. Not that I can explain it or really tell you too much, but what we have, uh, you know, we see, I, I like that they opened the first episode with a quote, you know, every marriage has its own secrets, Scott Landon. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, interesting. So they're, they're giving a quote from this fictional author that is kind of driving the story here, which is interesting. But yeah, we see him, shot by this disgruntled fan at this event. And he almost kind of seems like not surprised by it. Yeah. It was kind of (laughs) weird. Right. So, you know, he, he knows, you know, there's something about him that he's just very in tune with other things. And I don't know how to like explain it more than that because we haven't seen so much of that. But then, you know, the next time we really see him is when he's showing up to help Amanda. And he's very much like, I, you know, Lisey wanted to come, but I wanted to be here just myself because I need to tell you about something with her. And then he, that was the biggest, what the fuck moment was then. Cause at first I was like, Oh my God, is like an affair or something. He goes like kiss her. But then he's spewing this, magical mystical water which i guess comes from the pool that she was swimming in in their backyard i'm not 100 percent, but he says it's from the pool i i think it's from the the pool which but the, looks oh, bigger, the, pool. But the pool um at booyah moon yeah the pool that he goes mm-hmm. to but there's like still like this kind of portal to that in the other pool yeah yeah at least he's looking at so i wasn't Sure, but that would make sense then if he's crossing over, getting the water from there and bringing it back to her through some supernatural way. But that was a bit, because I was like, what? Okay, that's where the show took a turn. I'm like, okay, what is this? (laughs) Now now we've crossed over to something different. And, but then, yeah, it's weird, you know, that he would just disappear because, you know, we get to, you know, she walks into the hospital room after he's shot and the bed's empty. Nobody's there, but the water's running 
in the sink. And then when she turns back into the room, he's laying there in the bed, but there's these wet footprints, wet footprints. that like, walked back to the bed. Yeah. And then, you know, and when they're in bed, you know, she turns off the sink and then he's back in bed. But there's just, he's gone. And I like when she whispered, where did you go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause she asked, where'd you go? And he just kind of was pretending to be asleep uh-huh. in bed. But then when the hospital bed, cause apparently this has become a thing. Because when in the hospital room, she asks, where'd you go? And he just replies, responds with, you know. So, like, It's almost like talked she's purposely about forgetting, too. Right. That, that he did this. Because she just kind of like, hmm, okay, you know. Definitely. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of mystery about Scott Landon that I'm really interested in. You know, we talked about the blood bull with him harming himself. But it was... <sighs> Him saying, this is how we make things right. I fixed everything. I fixed things. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what that means. I'm still. I'm, oh, <laughs> good. Because I, I'm struggling to understand that too. It's like the, the way I'm seeing it, but I don't know that I understand it yet. When he's like, I fixed it. It's okay now. There's this pain that's connected to this trauma, this past trauma, to help heal a recent mistake. We see when he starts hitting the glass, he's seeing a reflection of himself as a child. Like he's remembering whatever trauma he went through as a child, and he's using that trauma to fix that mistake he made with Lisi by staying out drinking with his friend um, and celebrating when he had promised and told Lisi that, you know, we're going to go out to dinner, we're going to celebrate. And he forgot and got caught up in time. And it's some sort of twisted apology Mm -hmm. from him, but I don't quite understand it, but it's also um, almost like his way of giving himself uh, to the world. He's giving a part of himself. Yeah. But there's like but we, pain and blood yeah. that are a part of the process, which I'm still not, I don't understand it yet, but that's what I'm I'm seeing and yeah. pieces of the puzzle that I'm seeing, but I don't know how to put them together to where it clicks exactly. in my brain yet. So I don't quite and understand it, it, it where, he, where he's <laughs> getting this and how yeah, what his, it, it comes from his family. Yeah, because his dad was doing it. Uh, yeah, because his dad himself. was kind of was being cruel to him. Mm-hmm. But then he goes to, he's, he's cutting into his arm and chopping his arm and stuff. And then kind of turns around and is more like, you know, I'll always protect you kind of like, you know, the, you know, it's this weird connection that I think it comes from his family, that it's this very, you make things right through, through blood and through pain. And yeah, it's it's really it's weird, it's messed disturbing. up. But I I don't yeah I, I'm I'm interested to see more from it. But also like it's rough. It is rough. Um, yeah. Which tiny little note? Great casting of the little boy in the flashback because the first second that he popped up on screen, I immediately knew this is young Scott. Yes. Like they did a really good. I was, I was like, I'm gonna make sure to put a note in here to give them props for that because I was like, oh, they that's a really good casting choice because I immediately knew who he's supposed to be. I agree. Really good choice. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I I don't understand it yet. And it feels like, you know, his dad mentions to a young Scott, you know, uh, 
about how Scott goes even then as a child to, to Booyah Moon. So mm-hmm. it's something that Scott did even as a child. And then he mentions oftentimes, he's mentioned it like I think two or three times, if not more, uh, in, in the first two episodes saying uh, we Landons are, are fast healers. We had to be. Yeah. And it's like, well, what else happened? And was it not apparently just whatever happened to Scott and he had to be a fast healer? Did this also include his brother? Does this include his father? Is it because of this pattern of self-harm, you know, that mm-hmm. we, we've seen him do, but also we've seen his father do? Um, Amanda does it, you know, it's like, so, so what, what connection is, is there there? How does this involve the rest of his family? Yeah. Where does that come from? When he says, you know, we Landons are fast healers. We had to be. And then Lisa even report or, um, repeats it back to the nurse after he got shot, yeah. you know, um, you know, says that cause, and apparently it's something she's heard oftentimes throughout their relationship. So, you know, looking looking for that connection, and it does seem like he's using those waters at Booyah Moon to heal himself. Because it looks like after he has yep. cut himself, he's you can see him there, and his arm is like dipped in the water. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like he uses that, like you said when you were talking about him and, and Amanda, when he goes and um, after she's had her event, she's practically catatonic, and you know he passes that on to her, and she like snaps out of you know, her state and she seems okay again. And he's like, okay, now we got to talk about Lacey. It's like, well, what the hell was that about? So many questions. Yeah. <laughs> A lot, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm into it. I mean, those, those patterns we start to see, you know, there's that other place, the Booyah moon where, you know, you have to, but there's like these little patterns. I think you have to have water running. Mm-hmm in order to, you know, make this connection. And then you're supposed to completely disappear again with Amanda. Something is a little off, but with Scott, we've seen it where he's able to do that. And he just kind of can go there and then come back. I said the, the way that they're showing everything is very disjointed, but mm-hmm. on purpose. And so I'm, I'm liking it because like I've said before, it's, I think it's doing its job of hooking me into wanting to know more. Yeah, I agree. Same. Um, well, that was actually like my number one as well. So <laughs> I, I feel that we've talked that out pretty well. Um, did you have some notes? Um, the only other notes that I had were just kind of the opening sequences that I was trying to, you know, find some symbolism and stuff in that or say the sequences, but sequence, the opening credits oh, sequence. The, the little puppet yeah. Thing happening. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of marking some of this stuff down in there because I wanted to try to not necessarily be like, oh, here's the symbolism, but like at least here's the things that could be. And what do we think? Um, you know, the puppets with the string, like there's some other outside force controlling. Right. Who's controlling who? Yeah. What's going on? Um, but then when we see Scott pulls Lisi out of water to himself, but then he turns into book pages, which if you pay attention to those pages as they're scattering is literally the pages of Stephen King, Lisey's story. <gasps> Shut up. I t- didn't <laughs> yeah. pick up on that at all. Yep. Cause I noticed the title page that says Stephen King, Lisey's story. So it's, it's the actual book that is, then he becomes, which is maybe just a nod to that, but you know, I thought it was really interesting. 
But then there's the shovel and she goes for the shovel. But when she gets the shovel, that's when the strings are detached or broken and she falls and then kind of picks herself up in like this Booyah Moon area because there's like the red moon in the water. And mm-hmm. and that's and then, of course, we get the, the title EC story and it's held up by strings puppeted by some big hand. Yeah. I'd, so, again, I it's like, that. I don't know what all of it means, but I wrote it all down to be like, hmm this means something. <laughs> well, and I think that you're right. I don't know either, but I was intrigued. I think it's a, a beautiful opening and I love seeing something mm-hmm. that someone's really put some work into and some thought behind. Um, it reminded me not quite as, as um, similar, but not the same uh, like um, Westworld, the mm-hmm. opening to, to Westworld. I, I yes, love that. I much. think it's beautiful. Um, this was similar. It wasn't as long or anything like that, but I just, I love that detail you know, this detail and Mm -hmm. it means something. So yeah, I thought it was great. I totally missed uh, that the book pages were turning into Lisey's story. I assumed I knew it was book pages, but I assumed like it was one of Scott's books or something. So that's brilliant. It's the pages of Lisey's story. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Blow my mind. Blow my mind. I love it. Um, Any other notes? That's all I had. Okay. One note that I had, and it's more of a, a I thought this funny exchange um, between Lisi and Darla when, and I thought I kind of giggled just a little bit and it's, I think wrong. I felt kind of bad for giggling, but it's that exchange when the cop was telling Lisi, mm-hmm. like, maybe you should think about getting a gun. And uh, Darla's like, oh, well, Amanda has a gun. And she's like, yeah. our suicidal sister has a gun and you didn't tell me. And she looks at her and says, well, she's a cutter. She's not a shooter. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like the delivery of that line was made even more brilliant by how Jennifer Jason Lee um, yeah. delivered it. And I, I kind of let out a little, <laughs> you know, giggle when yeah. I watched it. But I was like, oh, I feel really kind of bad for doing it. Um, I shouldn't laugh at that. But- I shouldn't, but <laughs> I kind of did. I think it was more of just the the exchange itself not so much that the content was funny just the exchange was interesting it's interesting to see uh this relationship between the sisters i don't have sisters uh so i can't speak from any kind of experience but stephen king has mentioned that he based a lot of um because he said his wife has sisters and Mm -hmm. you know he's as he's you know they've been married for many 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 years and you know yeah and so he has seen i'm sure the relationship between his wife and and her sisters over all of these many years they've been together and has talked about that interesting dynamic how you know they have these lovely exchanges that are loving towards each other and they love each other and they're you know having great laughs and great times but then someone says like a passive aggressive kind of comment and just throws them right back into, you know, right, 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 right. You know, the sibling. Yeah, even in, in front of the cops, she's like, Oh, that's right. I forgot. She knows everything. Yeah. Didn't you guys know that? Like just- they go. And it's interesting. Cause it's, I feel like it, they do a really great job of capturing that because they go from one minute where they're at e- kind of at each other's throat or maybe more Darla's at Lacey. Like she keeps saying some of these passive aggressive comments and she's really irritated with her and this whole situation situation but then oh i love you i'll see you tomorrow you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think they do a really good job of capturing um that uh that sisterly and sibling um you know relationship so that's that's really fun but that i that stood out to me so i had to mention it um mm-hmm. also um did you catch 
at the very, very end of the second episode, you know, we um, have mentioned, you know, Lisi looking into the pool and she kind of sees things. Did you see what flashed right before it went to dark? This weird zombie creature. Yeah. Glowing eyes. She had it was there before. Yeah. Yeah. That that's mm-hmm. creepy. So we've got something yeah. something going on here as well. There's what is that? What's going on? Um, there's some creepy things happening here. We've got you know yeah. not just the real elements like this Jim Dooley. We've got like this like creepy supernatural thing kind of happening too. I mean, Amanda was talking about the long boy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when she's kind of stuck in this in-between kind of state when she was talking with um, Darla, it's like, wh- who or what is the long boy? Uh, yeah. So, and then what, like this, what the hell is this thing? Yeah, this like Booyah Moon place or whatever, like it's a place of healing and a place of, of power. But at the same time, it has its own dangers and stuff. Because when we, you know, Amanda's in that like middle place and she's saying to Darla or you know, while she's talking out loud and there's this other like woman wrapped in a shroud that's there saying like, be quiet. They can hear you. Yeah. The weird, weird, that whole booyah mm-hmm. moon and who are the other people there or beings, or I don't know if they're real or imagination. I'm yeah, not, quite I sure. noticed because Amanda says something about being a double and that's why she can be seen. Mm-hmm. And that stuck in my head because at the very end, well, not like the very end, but yeah, Pretty much at the end of the second episode, you know, that closing scene when it's, you know, panning out and widening from Amanda sitting there on those steps. Most of the people that are sitting there at that water's edge around her are like pairs that look similar. Hmm. There's like these like doubles, like these pairs of people that are sitting next to each other. Oh God, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oi. Um, well, more to come on that, I hope. Yeah. Um, I did notice a couple of Easter eggs. Feel like, you know, uh, which I was intrigued because I thought this isn't someone else writing, uh, you know, or adapting a Stephen King um, project where they're throwing out all these Easter eggs because this is like their way to honor the master, right? Yeah. Um, he wrote this himself. He wrote the book. Mm-hmm. He wrote this script. Uh, so what I found interesting was, so at the, uh, so when Scott was at the ribbon cutting ceremony, the school was called Horlicks. Uh, it was a university also mentioned in early short stories by King, um, uh, mm. the crate and the raft. And both of those uh, short stories were turned into separate chapters in the creep show movies. Ah. Yeah, I thought, oh, there we go. A little bit of he's putting his own stuff out there, which I think is fun. I giggle. Um, But what was even more fun, uh, at the library, when Dooley's going on and on about the greatness of the book that inspired Scott Landon as a writer. And if you look at it, uh, the title of the story was was, was a children's book, and it was called Charlie the Choo Choo. Yeah. And anyone who's familiar with the Dark Tower series um, knows all about Charlie the Choo Choo. Um, and then actually, they actually, I think, later published um, 
you know, its own Charlie the Choo Choo book um, out of that. But I saw that and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? But it was <laughs> funny because, like I said, Stephen King wrote this himself. It was kind of like this yeah. little indulgence you know, from himself that he put this in here. And I just, I giggled. I was like, you're so clever um, that you're, <laughs> you're putting this in here yourself. Um, so looking through, I think that's all of my notes. And I had to throw in, like I said, I was surprised to see some Easter eggs um, knowing that this came from Stephen King and not someone who's kind of honoring his work or trying to pay homage, you know, to the master and his other works and his whole universe. So that was fun. I'll have to look out for more. Um, Okay. Um, if we don't have any other notes, um, and that kind of covers a lot of mine, I did have one. There was there, there's been many many articles. So y'all, if you want to read more about uh, Lisey's story or more about Stephen King or you know interviews with the actors, there's a ton of stuff out there. But I did pull uh, something I thought was kind of interesting from Entertainment Weekly. Um, they interviewed Stephen King. Took a couple of little interesting. Um, pieces from that. Uh, one of the questions that they asked him is they said, you once said that Lisey's story was your favorite of your books. Do you still feel that way 15 years later? And he says, yeah, I would have never gotten involved with this thing at my age if it wasn't. You know, they're all my favorites. I love them all. Some of them are difficult children to love. <laughs> Some of them a little <laughs> bit easier. This is a little bit difficult to love, but I've always loved the story. And that's the reason I got involved. I held on to this one for myself because I thought at some point I would love to be involved with writing it and guiding it to completion. And to be able to do that is just a wonderful gift. So I love that. I, I really love yeah. what he says there. Um, you know, that he loves all of his children, some a little bit difficult, uh, some are a little easier, and that this one was precious enough to him that he was holding on to it in case this opportunity yep. ever presented itself. So and I think just a good explanation as to why he decided to do this, whereas he never has before. Um, they also mention, they say, um, Booyah Moon and its transformative water features heavily in the show. And there's a line in the book about it meaning something different to everyone. Uh, they said, what does it mean for you? And he says, to me, when I was in college, I had a professor that made a big impression on me because he talked about the myth pool where we all go down to drink. And that became the pool for me in Booyah Moon, where you go to be healed. Um, but it's also a place where you can be fascinated and be lost forever. So in a way, I was trying to talk. And he said, these things always sound a little bit pretentious when you bring them right out there. And it shouldn't be. He said, it just should be something that's in the book as kind of a subtext. But I wanted to write about the wellspring of creativity for a guy like Scott, or I suppose like me, like Philip Roth, like any novelist that you've ever admired and loved. I guess I was under the influence a lot when I wrote Lisey of D.H. Lawrence, who's a writer that I admire terrifically. Um, Emily Zola is another one. Those people have access to this place, this creative place. Call it Booyah Moon, call it Narnia, or call it whatever you want, but they have access to it. It's a great thing, and it's a great gift to them and to the people who read their books or see their films, but it's also dangerous because you can get too fascinated by that. So nice. I, like I thought that. that was great. I was like, oh, well, that provides a little bit of interesting insight as to what that place and what that pool of water kind of means a little bit. I think it helped bring a little bit of insight to me as I'm watching it 
um, you know, uh, and how Scott goes there and interacts and feels like that's where he goes and gets maybe some of his ideas. You know, he tells Lisi like, you know, I go to this place and I write down my ideas and people buy them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've always read that Stephen King, you know, a lot of his things come from his dreams. A little bit scary place his head, I feel. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've heard that he keeps a notebook by his bed and that, you know, when he when he wakes up from one of these like dreams or maybe it's a nightmare, I don't know, um, you know, and it wakes him up, he will write it down. You know, I think I've heard that right. I've, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will tell me. But um, <laughs> I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, there was a little piece from a New York Times interview that I thought was uh, kind of funny where they asked him, they said there's an interaction between Jim and a frightened librarian that's incredibly tense. Where did the idea for that come from? Because I think that wasn't in their book. But he says that wasn't in the original Pablo, who was the director, um, I believe he Pablo is directing all of the episodes, but he said he came to me and said, what would you think if he was in a library? Could you write some stuff that's kind of menacing, but also weird? Um, he mentioned Quentin, Quentin Tarantino and the dialogue that he does. And I said, I could do that. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's what drew that inspiration from that um, bananas scene in the library, which I thought was yeah. kind of cool. Um, yeah, because that scene definitely stuck, like stuck out for me. Uh, it, for sure, it made an impact. Yeah, <laughs> on me, a lasting impression, I'll say. Um, well, that's all that I had for the news. Like I said, I don't know if I'll do something every week, but I thought let's bring a little insight to maybe some of this. If I find something interesting, I will share it. Um, if you want to read more, there's plenty out there. Um, we did get some listener feedback this week. Really excited to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, you know, it'd be great to get some more thoughts. I hope everyone has a, has an opportunity. I know there's two episodes instead of just the one to watch. So um, hopefully um, we'll get some more from you guys as we continue. But um, do you want to take that first one for me? All right. This one comes from Lindsay Schlicht. Says, oh man, I don't know. This one is going to be a tough one to keep going with, I think. I'm all for weird, out there, WTF shows, as long as they eventually come together and the weirdness adds up to something that makes sense. This show is so all over the place and out there, it feels unlikely to have a payoff that makes it all worth it. This level of weirdness is oftentimes just super irritating to me, like the show is trying too hard to be interesting. Maybe you guys will change my mind. You often do. I'll be very interested to hear what you guys and other listeners think. Oh, it's really nice, Lindsay, to say that we sometimes mm-hmm. change our mind. Appreciate that. I'd love to yeah, hear that. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, I get it. Let us know how this episode mm-hmm. paints what you think after we've discussed it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to hear um, what you have to say after listening to us, um, if we were able to change your mind or, you know, maybe providing a little bit of insight. I, I don't know at all. I say provide insight. And I'm like, oh, I'm not this. I'm not <laughs> providing a whole lot of light bulb moments here, guys, but trying to just talk it out, you know, and figure it out myself. So. Hang in there, Lindsay, but thank you for starting it with us and, and being yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm with you as far as that I maybe not necessarily feeling like it's too disjointed. I mean, it is disjointed, but I think maybe I'm hoping more that I'm expecting things to come together in the end. Uh-huh. But I, I'm kind of with you in the fact that like, I hope that it does, because if it doesn't, then it is going to be very disappointing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm Like I said, we haven't read the book, so we can't really compare what happens in the book and how it ends. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. 
but I'm in it for now. I'm in it for now. Yeah. Uh, we did get an email from our good friend and your other co-host, Paik, um, from mm-hmm. Daphne this week. She says, hi, Rima and Paik. So stoked to have Strange Indeed back in my podcast rotation. Well, thank you very much. Um, she says, Lisey's story has a different vibe than any other Stephen King book I've read. I was excited when I learned they were adapting it for TV, but also worried that people may not enjoy it because to me, it's really different. While I like it so far, I think it might be confusing if you haven't read the book. The cast is perfect, especially Julianne Moore as Lisey. I like how she captures the essence of Lisey as a woman who is contemplating everything she know or everything she knew about her husband while caring for her sister and fending off all those who are after her late husband's unpublished papers. So far, the show has captured what I pictured in my head when reading the book the first time. Scott Landon was special, and there's so much more to learn about his life and why Landons are fast healers. Mm. Looking forward to your thoughts, Daphne. Okay. Looks like there's more to come on that, which I had (laughs) thought so, but good to know. I'm I'm going to put some pressure on you, Daphne, here. No, (laughs) but- uh, Hey, you got to leave her alone. as the book reader here that's giving us feedback, I want to know. I want to not, I mean, don't give anything away, obviously, but like you have this insight to really like kind of tell us. So hopefully you keep, you know, watching and giving feedback to where we can kind of get your view on it as somebody who has read the book and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested to see that you know, point of view. Yeah, I am too, especially since we don't have it ourselves. So anyone who is leaving feedback and would like to chime in um, about it, I'd, I'd love to hear some of the comparisons. Um, thank you, Daphne. <laughs> um, okay. So we did get a couple of voice calls. Uh, one we have this week is from our good friend, Greg. Let's see what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Strange indeed. This is Greg. Uh, so, I'm not 100% sure what the hell's going on with this story. I, this is one of the, the few books by Stephen King I haven't read the source material on. But I'm, I'm in for it. I, I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down for the story. Uh, I thought Julianne Moore did a great job, at least in the first couple episodes, playing the really heavy uh, thing. I don't know what the hell's going on with the pool of bull or... Uh, whatever the hell world they're in, but I thought that Joan Allen was absolutely fantastic playing uh, a couple of different versions of her character throughout time. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys talk about it because uh, I don't I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, looking forward to the rest of the story, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Greg. Good to know that, you know, uh, because Greg is usually very insightful when it comes to these types of Mm -hmm. things. And he is a very big Stephen King fan. So he's usually pretty good at digging uh, and getting to kind of the root of some of these things. So interested to see that he's kind of where we are. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Our next voice message is from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hey, Rena and Paik, this is Steve, and this is going to be for Lisey's story. I guess episodes one and two is what we're you're doing the first week. I mean, I can't I can't go without uh, sending to to Strange Indeed, Lisey's story. I'm on. All right, the opening credits. That's just creepy with the whole like puppet marionette thing with the strings and 
I don't know what's going on. So she just found the tag. I said, Dr. Mr. MD. Isn't that from the song? The the uh, lime and the coconut song? Okay, Lisi just asked um, Clive Owen, a Bud Bull? Is that what she asked? So it looks like this, um, one of the things that's going to be going on here is confusing her dreams with reality. And now he's talking to the librarian, the guy, and I'm not sure where this falls in. I am really going to need you guys to help me with this one. Um, Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, that was really great feedback. Thank you for everyone uh, that wrote in, left a voice message. Um, I love getting everyone's thoughts and perspectives as we're all trying to entangle what the hell it is that we're watching um, on the screen. This might be a team effort here, guys. This is a team effort. I rely heavily (laughs) on you, Paik. You've got a heavy lift. I'm expecting a lot from you. I'm expecting a lot from our listeners to help, help us out, help me out. But thanks, everyone. I, I can't wait to hear uh, everyone's uh, thoughts as we continue on um, in the series. Yes. So I, I'm hoping that it stays good. I've, you know, kind of mentioned this offline to folks because they're like, what are you covering next? And when I tell them, like, oh, and it's not necessarily about the story itself. They're hearing we're covering a, a Stephen King adaptation and everyone knows yeah. it's a toss up, flip a coin, right? Yep. And you never know what you're going to get or how it's going to be. And I'm going to just be very honest right now. I'm usually pretty committed that when I say I'm going to cover something, I cover it to the bitter end. And Mm -hmm. anyone who's listened to us since Strange Indeed's inception knows that we stick it out to the end. I mean, we did some not so great series, guys. There's been some shows that have had to been stomached through. Uh, There were some that we had to, (laughs) it was a little painful to continue on in the process. And that was not always very enjoyable for me. I don't know that if this series for me and for you, Paik, both of us agree that it's tanking and we're not enjoying it. There's a very strong possibility that I could just say, we just won't finish it. I don't like doing that. I'd be interested to hear mm-hmm. what you listeners have to think about that. Um, if if you're enjoying it and I'm not, or Pake's not, we're both not really enjoying it or into it, but you guys are, I would certainly consider what you have to say. Um, yeah. But I'll be honest. I'm at this point where I'm just not into covering things I'm not into. And if, if you know, right yeah. now I'm into this, we're still early. If it starts to tank or drop off for both of us and we're not into it, I don't know that I want to push ourselves to do it. Um, yeah, totally get there. That. There are, but that said, <laughs> based off these first two episodes, I'm, I'm in. in. I'm like, I'm it in. Right now. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I don't want to. This is not me saying I'm out. I'm in right now. I'm into this, um, but I I know that I'm in. We are in unknown territory here. We don't know how this is going to mm-hmm. continue on. I just want to throw that out there. That way, folks aren't like, "What the hell." We, y'all were only covering we only got what however many episodes and you guys dropped it i'm just letting you know ahead of time if if i'm not enjoying it i might not hang on to it we'll see we're gonna take it episode by episode <laughs> at <Yeah>. this point <laughs> i'm not married to this series yet so um and with that being said next week on strange indeed we will be covering episode three of lisey's story titled under the yum yum tree 
All right. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I, and I didn't put it in a description. Um, I, did, I, I gave it a glance. It didn't feel too spoilery, but I'm like, eh, I'm just going to leave him out. Let's, let's leave a little mystery and a little intrigue. Exactly. So, so we'll be back for that next week. Um, and in the meantime, we are excited for you to join us at the Booyah Moon. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. A lot of great things happening um, on Podcastica. Uh, Jason and yeah. his uh, Lucy sometimes, and sometimes other roundtable of guests that he has on are covering Fear the Walking Dead. Mm, a lot of opinions on that show. But if you <laughs> want a great podcast to listen to as a companion to that show, I would highly recommend um, Jason and the Walking Dead cast. Um, Jason yes. and your co-host as well um paik has also joined jason on house podcastica along with our good friend wendy um so jason Mm -hmm. daphne and wendy are covering the handmaid's tale so if you aren't feeling enough bleakness in your life and are looking you know for (laughs) something um that's kind of heavy and dark watch the handmaid's tale and then listen it is really good though so good it's heavy but it is so So heavy i mean i feel like most folks have either watched it or not at this point because we're in season four. Yeah. Um, it's dark. It's heavy. Uh, it's, there's a lot going on. But um, they do a great job uh, covering that show. So they are currently covering Handmaid's Tale on House Podcastica. So be sure to check them out. Um, and speaking of great podcasts, make sure, as I've mentioned a couple of times here, um, make sure you check out Paik and Daphne on their podcast called Run For Your Lives. Um, uh-huh. Got a sneak peek or anything you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, try to dive back into when we were doing like Umbrella Academy and Blind Manor <laughs> and stuff where I was, what was the format? Usually it's like what the current episode is and what's coming up. So the one that you could listen to right now is Cabin in the Woods Ooh, is up. Good one. And that was, oh, I love it. One of my favorites. And that was a lot of fun. And then this week, so depending on when you're listening to this, it might be up. Um, Geostorm is the newest episode that is coming up. The uh, Gerard Butler. Cool. Uh, int- it's, it's, it's an interesting yeah, movie for yeah. sure. Um, interesting choice. It's no cabin in the woods. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it was a lot of fun to talk about for sure. And I definitely, you know, if you enjoy that movie or have seen it, then yeah, I would definitely, I mean, not just to speak, do my own horn, but yeah, I recommend listening to that. We had a fun conversation about that for sure. Well, I highly recommend it. So I'll toot your horn for you. And not in a dirty way. So (laughs) that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And Shelly Champagne is strange indeed.